Welcome to the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter's Candid Conversation with the Candidates podcast. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a 501c7 nonprofit organization. All candidates, Republicans, Democrats, or Independents running for the Dallas County District Attorney's Office were invited to participate in our podcast series. The sorority is nonpartisan and does not endorse candidates. Today's conversation is with Mr. John Cuzo, our current Dallas County District Attorney, who is seeking re-election. Good morning, Mr. Cuzo. Good morning. So, please tell me, how has your experience shaped you for this role? Well, um, you know, my experience in life goes back to my grandparents, my parents, um, and my mother was a social worker and worked for the Louisiana Welfare Department. And so, um, you know, I used to go with her to visit her clients and, you know, she would spend a few dollars here and there to help them out. Um, but I grew up in Third Ward, Houston, and my family owned a business, Frenchies, fried chicken. A lot of people know about that. But I finished my education at SMU Law School. I came to work for the district attorney's office, and I became a judge in 91 until the end of 2012. And during that time, I really focused on underlying behaviors that can be treated and to reduce crime. And we started a diversion court called Dallas County Divert, and we studied that court, third-party study, and we found we had a 68% reduction in recidivism. Uh, plus, for every dollar spent, it was $9.34 and avoided criminal justice costs. Now, why is that important? Well, number one, it's the first program. I ran it. I did it for a number of years, and it showed promise that not everybody needed to be locked up. We could help people. And so in 2005, the legislature was told that it would need 17,000 additional prison beds in addition to the 150,000. It was a bipartisan effort not to do that. And they looked back, what's working? And they looked back to divert court. Well, the bottom line is we never built those 17,000 beds. In fact, up until my latest number from about four or five months ago, is we've closed 15 prisons. So as you can tell, I've been intimately involved in legislation, the legislative process, and helping the state get to a better place on incarceration. Uh, what does that mean? It means fewer people of color incarcerated. It means families that are saved, individuals that are saved. And so I put those same principles into play in the district attorney's office. We have expanded and reorganized and expanded mental health. We recently had a third-party study done on that. For the type of people that are in that program, it's a 50 to 70% nationwide recidivism rate. We've gotten it down to 20%. Uh, we have another younger people program uh, that one of the judges was running, and we had a re reduction in recidivism of 74% there. And the other thing I've done is uh, spearheaded a multi-million dollar facility for instead of taking the homeless and the mentally ill to jail, it gives the police an opportunity to take them for services. And that includes wraparound services. It's actually a Parkland-run facility in Oak Cliff. And so this in and out of jail of the homeless and the mentally ill, if we don't start addressing that, um, we're just going to be underwater. And so those are the kinds of things that, that I have studied, implemented, put in place, measured, and those are kind of the background of, of who I am and what I do in addition to uh, trying cases, obviously mostly murder cases and sex assault cases, and we have a very vigorous program here in that office, this office for that. Wow. Uh that it's a lot that you've accomplished in these years that you've been the district attorney. Um, my next question is that getting guns off the street and out of the hands of criminals is vital to community safety. 
your buyback program where you partnered with the city of DeSoto and several of the town hall meetings that you held with Moms Demand Action are just a couple of responses for getting guns off the street. But what plans do you have for introducing laws that remove the ability to purchase automatic weapons, institute, institute secure background checks, and implement a required cooling off period? Well, I am in favor of background checks. I'm in favor of red flag laws. And every time the Texas legislature expands the, the, the opportunity to have a gun, I think most police chiefs and I think most prosecutors' offices uh, register in opposition to that. But, you know, the legislature is going to do what it's going to do. So there's not much more I can do to that. But if we talk about gun buyback programs, the reason we did that in DeSoto was, number one, the community wanted it. The DeSoto community wanted it. And what we did is we partnered with them, and we paid 50% of the cost of those guns. We have also reached out to the other municipalities in Dallas, um, and we have offered to do the same thing. Right now, it's under consideration for Irving, uh, but they have a new police chief, and he's busy trying to get his you know, hands wrapped around what he has. Uh, but we look forward to that. Um, in addition to that, uh, we contributed a quarter of a million dollars. Now, this is a different subject, but to right here for Dallas to help them deal with the mentally ill who are in crisis and the homeless who are in crisis on the street to have a public health response as opposed to a police response. Um, we paid $200,000 for four cities, Carrollton, Addison, Farmers Branch, and Capel, to do an, a mental health assessment so they can figure out what their problems are and address them before they get into the criminal justice system. And so it's not just guns that we're working on. We're also working on this unfortunate issue of homelessness and mental health and its intersection with criminal justice. And so we are providing... Uh, uh, access to funds for these communities, not only to deal with guns, but to deal with the homeless and the mentally ill, who oftentimes get hold of a gun. I'll give you an example. The woman at Love Field who shot the gun up into the ceiling, she was homeless and mentally ill, had been in and out of jail. Somewhere she got a gun. I don't know where. But then she went over there and committed that offense. So uh, these things often, guns, homelessness, mental illness, they intersect and they intersect in criminal justice. And so we have a very vigorous, coordinated pro program with the police departments and with this office to deal with those issues. Uh, we don't expect that we're going to solve those issues, but we certainly don't want to contribute. And so um, we're doing all we can to help the departments deal with these issues. Uh, thank you. In your CBS um, interview in September, you stated that you reduced arrest and prosecution for nonviolence crimes such as the possession of marijuana, and that has resulted in faster DPD response time to critical issues. Now, what could be done to expunge the records of those who were arrested at what is considered a non-serious issue? So, expunction is an interesting thing, and... If my policy resulted in somebody being arrested but not prosecuted, they have an opportunity after the statute of limitations, which would be two years, to apply for an expunction. Um, to facilitate that, um, we do run an expunction expo, we call it, every year, and the numbers of people increase just I mean, to the point where we can hardly handle it. So if somebody was arrested and we did not prosecute the case, and by the way, Year in and year out, this is 90-plus percent people of color on one or two joints of marijuana. 
Okay, so this is who we are impacting. When I said I wanted to come in and stop the mass incarceration of people of color, that's the first place to start, right there. And so we implemented that program. It's been studied by SMU. I don't know if you have access to it, but um, they were going to do a five-part report. They stopped at three because there was nothing more to write about because police behavior has changed and fewer people are being arrested and brought to jail, fewer people of color. So the policy has worked very well, and we're not criminalizing our youth. If reelected, what can the citizens of Dallas County expect to see in an improved equitable law enforcement? Well, let's talk about what I've done that will continue on beyond the election. Um, you know, I have a legislative liaison. My predecessor did, too. They got no laws passed. We've gotten 18 laws passed. Let's talk about two of the most important ones. Working with Representative Carl Sherman, we got Bo's law, or Botham John's law, passed. What does that do? It means that the police need to keep their cameras on during an investigation and not turn them off. We also work with Senator West and others. Uh, we drafted some legislation called the Richard Miles Act. Who is he? He's a person who was wrongfully convicted, spent a number of years in the penitentiary. And part of the reason he was convicted was the police didn't turn over all the evidence, especially the evidence of innocence. And so we now have a law that's in place that uh, mandates that when the police file a case, they give us all the evidence in the case. There's no holding back evidence, and that they have to certify that they have given us all the evidence. And those are the two only criminal justice reform measures that were passed in this last legislative session. And we authored both of them. We sought out uh, legislators, senators, and state reps to sponsor them. Uh, we got them through, and the governor signed both of them. So those are things in reference to making trials and courtroom procedures, the investigation of cases, much more fair and equitable. If somebody is innocent, we'll find out about it before they spend some extended amount of time in jail, perhaps. If they're guilty, we'll know that earlier, and we can work to resolve the case more expeditiously. So those are the things we're doing that have an impact in, into the future. Um, also, our mental health division, uh, you know, mental health, is on, mental health issues in the intersection with criminal justice is on the rise all across the United States. And so to have a mental health division, not only with trained lawyers, but also we have sought out and achieved uh, case managers. When there's a crisis, instead of a lawyer trying to figure it out, we put people with the skills and the qualification education. And that's why I think we're able to achieve a much lower rate of recidivism uh, than would ordinarily be achieved with this that population. And my final question is, what else would you like the constituents of Dallas County to know about you and your office? Well, I, one of the things that I said that we were going to reduce the impact of the police uh, presence in our community, all across this community, on people of color. And I think we've done that. I think we've done it in cooperation, not necessarily that we sat down and figured it out together, but the new Dallas police chief, uh, Eddie Garcia, he works like I do on evidence-based programs, and he monitors them, and he measures them. And when he put in a policy that marijuana, two ounces or less, recreational purposes, seize it, let the person go, okay, that's right in accord with what we're doing. But what does that do? People don't understand that a police officer who stops, searches, hooks up a car, tows it, takes the person to jail, et cetera, they've burned up about five or six hours of an eight-hour shift. 
Okay, if you're wondering why people don't, there's no response to your 911 call, nobody comes out, it's because officers, in many instances, thousands of times a year, are sitting at the jail booking in our youth. So what what has happened? We have a, a new crime plan that works perfectly with what we're doing, and we're seeing violent crime go down in the city of Dallas. And it's we, we lost a police chief, Renee Hall, over the inability to do that. But we have a new police chief who works on the same, same theoretical basis that we do. And we're seeing the progress. Uh, we have prosecuted hundreds of murder and capital murder cases in this office. The idea that all we're focused on is low-level offenders is false. And as you know, just last week, for the second time, I went down and tried Mr. Shamir Mir and achieved a second life without parole sentence for him. And so we're very vigorous in the courtroom, and we are holding people accountable for the worst of crimes, murder, capital murder, sex assault, sex assault of children especially. And we compare 2018 to 2019. I wasn't in office in 2018. I was in 2019 before the pandemic. And our numbers on murder cases and sex assaults, we tried more cases. We had fewer not guilties, more guilties, and somewhere between thirteen and 14,000 years in a penitentiary we were able to achieve. So this office is doing everything it's supposed to do and more to combat violent crime, but on the other hand, reduce the impact of the criminal justice system on people of color on low-level offenses. Well, thank you, Mr. Cruzel, for this very insightful conversation. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a 501c7 nonprofit organization. All candidates, Republicans, Democrats, or independents running for the Dallas County District Attorney's Office were invited to participate in our podcast series. Please continue to follow the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter social media pages for the next broadcast of the Candid Conversations with the Candidates. This is Deborah Curry, Social Action Chair of North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, wishing you all a great day. Bye for now.